You know those uh, moments where you're suddenly aware that someone is talking to you and you realise that they've been talking to you for a while but you've tuned out? I think that's uh, part of Parenting 101. Well, on Monday night, uh, I became aware that my daughter had been trying to tell me a joke. Okay, that's not a big deal, right? You know, I hadn't quite paid attention at that moment. The only problem was, was that she told me the joke two days earlier. Two days earlier. Think about that. She'd made a joke or she'd made a witty observation and two days later, I consciously realized it. Now, I don't even know how that works. For the mind to be aware enough to create a memory uh, and then later to recall that memory, but not to be aware enough to focus on the words as they're being said. And, and, and then I thought, I wonder what my face looked like as she told this joke. Most likely, I was slack-jawed, eyes unfocused, my mind elsewhere, even though my brain logged and would later recall that she'd said this very thing. My problem, friends, is that I'd wandered from that moment. I was no longer present. My problem is that Dan Wallace had mentally left the building. In other words, I had not remained. And remaining, being consciously aware, is hard, right? Because it takes focus, you know, to remain. Our default mode is to drift, is to wander. In fact, listening to my sermons might be an example of that. And so when Jesus says to remain in the Bible, he's not saying, well, hang around if you feel like it, hang around if you want to. No, it's a command. Remain, stop where you are. He says, I see you wandering. Do not leave. Instead, abide, remain. Now, this series is subtitled Keeping Company with God, which is a wonderful privilege that we get to keep company with the Almighty. And it's through prayer that we keep company with him. And prayer is so much more than what we often make it, right? It's so much more than simply telling God our list of our needs. Prayer is actually inserting ourselves into the life flow of the Trinity, like I talked about in the first sermon. And so week number one, we looked at this overarching theme that prayer is keeping company with God. And then week two, we looked at how prayer is an exchange, our burdens and our weariness for Jesus's um, easy yoke of co-working with him. And this week, we're going to look at prayer is remaining. Prayer is remaining. Prayer is choosing not to leave God's presence. Prayer is being attentive to what God says. Prayer is remaining. How do we do this? How do we remain? Well, we remain in God by having fellowship with him, just as I remain with Wendy by being with her. And so we have fellowship with God through means of prayer, through listening prayer, which we looked at in the first week. Uh, We remain with God as we're reading our Bibles and while we go about just the regular business of our day. Remaining with God isn't a super spiritual exercise. It's a regular thing that we should be carrying with us throughout the whole day. Now, of course, such fellowship requires regular intervals of time. You know, one way that I non-verbally tell Wendy that I love her is by spending time with her. And it's the same with 
My children, on the Tuesday afternoon, they showed up in the van outside my office because Wendy had finished all of her work for, for a college second year. And so I told Nathan, I'm off, and I left. Why? Because spending time with them is important. And then we went out and had this lovely walk. Um, and in fact, Wendy's love language is spending time. And that happens to be one of God's love languages too, spending time. And so my time with God is early in the morning. I sit in the dining room as the sun rises uh, with my Bible, my notebook, and my Kindle with my, my headphones on with some kind of uh, ambient worship music so that I can really focus. Uh, in, in fact, I actually preached on this exactly one year ago on the 25th of April 2020, about how, how vital it is that you go into your room and you close the door and you pray to your father. And isn't it strange that here we are one year later being reminded. And so if you do need to be reminded about that sermon, uh, you can go to nogrowshow.ca and check out the podcast from April the 25th of last year. But our scripture this morning is John chapter 15, verses 5 to 6. John chapter 15, 5 to 6. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. John 15, 5 to 6 says this. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. And so Jesus desires that you really thrive. And in this verse, you are, um, we are all presented with this clear and intriguing choice that you either bear much fruit or you are thrown away and you wither. Now, many of us have heard this phrase, you know, thrive or survive. You know, we can choose to survive or we can choose to thrive. But here Jesus is saying that the choice isn't thrive or survive. Jesus is saying that the choice is, is, is thrive or wither. Uh, so it seems to me that what Jesus is saying is that surviving doesn't seem to be an option. And so it makes me wonder if a lot of, of the surviving or what we call as surviving through life is actually withering. We may think that we're doing okay, whereas in fact we're wasting away. Now, of course, withering never happens overnight. It usually takes months or weeks or years. In fact, it might take so long that it's not even noticeable, which makes it even more dangerous because we won't see it happening. So here's my words to you this, this, this morning, that what you choose to do every moment of your life, including this very second now, will take you in one of two directions, either towards thriving or towards withering. And the way to thrive is to abide in Christ. He is the vine. So do you want to be healthy inside? Do you want to be at peace? Do you want to taste joy? If so, remaining in Jesus is the, is the best way, in fact, the only way to access the spiritual nutrients to make this happen. Psalm 52 verse 8 says this, But I am like an olive tree 
flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. Those two are linked. I am like an olive tree flourishing and I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. What a wonderful image that we can be like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God, in God's presence himself. Whereas Psalm 1 verse 3 says that the one who meditates on God's law, who remains in God, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now this seems to say that there are other trees nearby, trees who are not planted by this stream of living water, who aren't remaining in Christ, trees who are fruitless and whose leaves are withering. So let me ask you this, which one are you? Are you a tree planted by streams of water? Are you thriving or are you withering? Friends, God did not form humanity. He did not place us in the universe that he had just created. He didn't then wind it up and leave us on our own while he turned his attention elsewhere. That's not what happened. Humanity, us, which, who are the pinnacle of God's creation, we were created in God's image and God's attention has been on us ever since. Why? We were made in God's image so that God could be with us and so that he could fellowship with us, so that we could remain with him. So let's spend a few moments tracking this idea through scripture that God wants to be with us. And when I say us, I mean you. First, God was in fellowship with Adam and Eve. Then sin broke that fellowship, alienating us from God. Genesis 3 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God, of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And then after the fall, God then initiated a plan by which human beings could once again come near for fellowship. First, he drew near uh, through a sacrificial system which gave them limited access to him as he dwelt among them from a distance in, in a tabernacle, in a tent. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 says this, Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Then God promised to draw near through a son. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him what? Emmanuel. Why? Because that means God with us. And then John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is the same word that's used, used for the tabernacle in Exodus. It's the same concept. Uh, so he's, he's dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Then when Jesus left after dying and rising again and ascending into heaven, he promised to send Another comforter. Why? So that he could be with us. John 14 verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. And then Jesus also promised that he would return. Why? So that we could be with him. John 14 verse 3. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and I will take you to be with me. Why? So that you may be where I am. And then finally, 
in Revelation, in heaven, John the Revelator hears a loud voice saying in Revelation 21 verse 3, he says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Isn't it incredible to trace this theme through, through scripture of God wanting to be with us and moving heaven and earth so that he could be with us? And so, friends, it's so clear that God wants us to keep company with him. He wants us to remain, but like a squirming child on the lap of its loving parent, we want to run off and we want to do our own thing. We have ants in our pants. We want to leave. Our minds drift. We're mentally checked out. We know he's there but we're no longer listening. Friends, for our own spiritual good, we must learn to remain connected to the goodness and the power and the presence of God. We must fight this urge to leave. We must resist the drift. We must learn to remain. John 15 verse 5, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not little, not something, but nothing. If you do not remain in me, then you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. So let's look at three impacts of remaining in Jesus. There's a lot more, but let's look at three. First, The first impact of remaining in Jesus is a growing close relationship with him. The second impact of remaining in Jesus is that you won't wither, you will be witherproof. And the third impact of remaining is that you will have victory over temptation to sin. So let's look briefly at the first impact of remaining, a growing close relationship with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says this, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's what we were talking about last week, right? That moment that God calls the childlike and the weary and the burdened, which are the qualifications to come into his glorious presence and into fellowship with himself through Jesus. So that's the first impact, a growing close relationship with Jesus. The second impact is that you will be with a proof. You, will, you won't wither. Like I said at the beginning, what we often call surviving is often just a long, slow withering. And so, like I said, we read in the Bible that we're either thriving or we're withering. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 says this, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart is turned away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands, and they will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives but, but, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots, sends out its roots by the stream. That sounds like Psalm 1 again, right? It, it, it does not fear when heat comes. Heat will come. That thing that causes people to wither will come. But its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Friends, we're in a, we, we're in a year of droughts right now. Are you, are you Jeremiah 17? Are you the tree 
that is planted by water that sends out its roots. What is your root system like? Right? Through prayer and reading the Bible, is your root system continually snaking its way towards the soul-reviving, thirst-quenching, life-bringing truth of God in his word and in the presence of the Spirit? Or are you alone in a salt land where no one lives, parched and dried out? This is powerful imagery that is supposed to engage your imagination. If you want to thrive You have to remain. You need to fight the urge to leave. You need to resist the drift. Let me mention one final impact of remaining in Jesus. Victory over temptation to sin. I'm interested in this one. James chapter 1 verse 14 says this, But each one is tempted when by their own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Friends, we are wrong to think that sin always comes from Satan. They're not. Many of our sins that we're dealing with come from our own sinful nature. Yet, but... You know, the fact that we have this sinful nature is no excuse before God because he's granted us his spirit by whom we can overcome these tugs or these temptations. So is this true? Can we live in victory over sin if we remain in Christ? Well, let's look at what scripture says. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says this, For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. You see, Under grace, we have been given God's spirit living in us by which we can put to death those misdeeds of the body influenced by sins, by our sinful nature's desires. Romans 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. And then writing to the Galatians, Paul says something similar. He says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then, and then the Apostle Peter expanded on this and made it explicit. He said, His, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. When we are vitally connected to Christ, We are supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit living within to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. But friends, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need to be connected into the vine through a daily experiential walk with Christ. In other words, we need to remain. Let's all say that together. We need to remain. One, two, three. We need to remain. And as we remain, as we grow in relationship with Jesus, we become witherproof. Not weatherproof, but witherproof. And we have victory over temptation to sin. Now, maybe this morning you're thinking, well, that's not true. I don't feel close to God. I am withering and I fail every time I'm tempted to sin. I'm hearing you, friend. But 
Are you remaining in Jesus? Or have you wandered off? Remaining is not easy. Wandering off is easy. But remaining is life. Because remaining is closeness with Jesus himself. Remaining allows you to thrive instead of wither. And remaining gives you the victory over temptation. Over this past year, I've, um, I've started a new chapter in my life of remaining. Of course, I still wander off and try to do life alone. I'm, I'm human, but being human, of course, is no excuse. But, but, uh, but, but I've been learning to remain. I've been learning how to abide. I've been learning to live and grow in the consciousness of God's presence. And this started in January 2020. Pre, pre-coronavirus, when me and Kim and Linda and Nathan and Kate and Ralph and Grace did something that we couldn't even imagine now. We got on a plane and we flew to Manitoba and we drove all in one vehicle down to, down to Steinbach for what would turn out to be one of the most transformational weekends in my life. We took part in this retreat called Set Free at this big church called Southland. And there were sessions and there were prayer meetings and there were fellowship times. And during Set Free, God set me free from sin. I experienced freedom from habits and from ongoing brokenness in my life. It was powerful. And I know that the others with me had a profound experience of the Lord as well. And since then, I've been on a virtual discipleship pathway with pastors from all over the country, from all sorts of church backgrounds. And we've been learning to pray. We've been learning to listen. We've been learning to memorize scripture. And it's been life-giving. Now, up until COVID, the only way to experience Set Free was, was to buy a plane ticket and to travel to Manitoba and to attend the retreat in person like we had to last year. But now the great news is that Set Free, the Set Free Retreat is coming to us on Zoom for free. So on the evening of Friday, May the 14th and Saturday, May the 15th, which is just a couple of weeks away, we as a church will be taking part in Set Free online. And in Set Free, you will have the chance to hear God speak to you. You will find final freedom from bondages, from past sins, from guilt and from shame. You will meditate on Jesus' death on the cross and the many benefits that flow from it. You will encounter Christ. You will learn spiritual principles for overcoming schemes of the evil one in your life and you will learn how to minister to others who are hurting and who are in bondage. And then after set free, after this amazing Retreat. I want to invite you to join with me on a 15-week renewal pathway, which is kind of like a shortened version, a simplified version uh, of the mentoring that I've been part of since January of last year. And this 15-path week of renewal is called The Way. And during The Way, we will learn some of the key principles in how to remain in Christ. We will learn to pray. We'll learn how to listen. We'll learn how to hear God's voice. We'll learn how to memorize Scripture. And everyone who signs up for the way will end up with with a workbook, either a physical one or a digital one, which will be yours to work through. We will meet weekly on Zoom on Monday evenings for one hour to share with us what we've been learning over the past week and what God's been saying to us. It's going to be amazing. 
and it will be free. You see, it's, if, it's not enough for you to just listen to one person speak for, for 30 minutes. This is the least effective way of spiritual growth. And if that's the extent of your spiritual life at the moment, friends, then I cannot see how you can be thriving. Jesus invites us to something more. And that's why in the middle of lockdown, I'm inviting you to do something different. I'm inviting you to resist the drift. I'm inviting you to remain. I'm inviting you to a mid-May retreat. And then I'm inviting you to a 15-week renewal pathway. You can do both or one or the other. It's your choice. And all this information will be on the website. Uh, I'll send it out via email. And it'll be on our Facebook page as well. And so as we wrap up this morning... I want to leave us with that image of prayer as remaining. I said that, that, that we're all either thriving, we're either moving towards thriving, or we're moving towards withering. And the only way to thrive is to remain. Our key verse has been John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's God's promise. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's God's promise as well. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are thrown up. They're thrown into the fire. Oh, sorry, they're picked up. They're not thrown up. You don't throw up branches. But such branches are picked up. They're thrown into the fire and they're burnt. And then I said that three impacts of remaining in Christ are a growing close relationship with Jesus, that we will be witherproof and that we will have victory over temptation to sin. Who doesn't want that, right? And then I've invited you to the Set Free virtual retreat on May the 14th and 15th and this 15-week renewal pathway called The Way. And now I want to leave you with this one question. How are you going to resist the drift? You see, it's not enough just to say, I want to do better. That's where the drift starts, actually. With that sentence, that's where the drift starts. It's a good intention with no action. And so I want each of you to write down on a piece of paper or to write down on your phone one thing that you will do this week to start to remain, to fight that drift. It might be putting your time in God as a calendar event in your phone and taking that time simply to be with Jesus in his word. Or it might be committing to memorize a verse and you just say it over and over again, It might be continuing to exchange your burdens and your weariness for Jesus' easy yoke and his light burden. Or it might be to sign up for Set Free or The Way by sending me an email. Or it might be setting yourself an hourly reminder on your phone, one that says, I choose to remain in Jesus. And each time it rings, whatever you're going through, you bring yourself back into the presence of Christ. I choose to remain in Jesus. So how will you remain? So I'd like us to, I'd like to leave us this morning with one of the many verses that I've been memorizing as part of my discipleship pathway over this past year. It's a verse that I've already mentioned this morning, but as you listen to this verse, write down the thing that you are going to do in order to resist the drift, in order to remain. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 8, says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, I just have to remember, here we go. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance Godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they, they will prevent you from being ineffective and, impro- and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 